want to start out today by just saying a special welcome to all those of you who are joining us online. Glad that you guys are with us today, and a welcome to you here as well in Hastings. Glad that you guys are, are here. So I'm going to be finishing up this weekend a series that we've been in for several weeks now um, called Blunt, and uh, we're talking about um, the book of James, and in the book of James, uh, the writer, his name was James, and he was pretty blunt in his words. And of course, sometimes when people are blunt, um, we don't like it. Sometimes when people are blunt, it can be... Um, kind of funny, um, especially in kids, right? I mean, kids can sometimes be pretty blunt with you, and uh, it can be pretty hilarious when they do it. Just uh, last, last night, actually, after the service, I was uh, in my office with uh, my two boys and my wife and my mom, and, and uh, actually, Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, uh, he came over, and he was uh, outside the, the door, and, and we were talking, and, and my, my oldest son, Kaysan, had a, a toy, and uh, my youngest son, of course, what do boys do? They steal from each other. And so he took the, the toy and, and started walking away. And Kaysan goes, like, yelled at him at the top of his lung, give that back, you. And it's like he wanted to come up with some great line to call his brother. And he goes, you, 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 you chubby cheeks, like that. And of, of course, like all of us, that's not appropriate to say to your brother, right? And of course, that's not good. But um, Jeff didn't help the case by starting to laugh uh, hysterically. And all of us actually in the room laughed hysterically. But um, sometimes when people are blunt, it can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing. But this writer, James, he was very blunt to the people that he was speaking to because he wasn't afraid to, you know, to kind of beat He didn't want to beat around the bush. He just wanted to get right to it. And so as we finish up today, I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of James chapter 5. We're going to read a, a few uh, few verses, and then we're going to dive into um, this as we finish up the series. If you want to use one of our Bibles, it's found on page 849. You can grab one of those or open up your tablet or whatever you have to follow along. I'm not going to put the verses up on the screen, but uh, this is what it says in the book of James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. He says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? It says, let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith, he says, will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Verse 17, he says, Elijah, who was an Old Testament character, He talks about his life, he says, was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of of sins. He says, if, if anyone among you is in trouble, he says, don't gather together and try to figure out what it is that you should do or how you're going to solve the problem like a lot of us do. He says that I want you to do what? He says, I want you to pray. He says, if anyone among you is sick, he says, I want you to pray. See, what we do oftentimes is if anybody's in trouble, we begin to put together a plan of how we're going to get them out of trouble. If anyone is sick, we begin to think about and worry about all the different scenarios of what could take place. And James right here is very blunt. He says that the prayer of a righteous person, he says it's powerful and effective. Today, I want to talk to you guys about how we can have bold prayers. Uh, You know, I understand that sometimes when you talk about this idea of prayer, um, it can be a little weird, right? I mean, some of you, you invited a friend today and you're thinking to yourself, 
oh man, is this service going to get like a little awkward, a little weird? Because, you know, sometimes when you pray or you might be somebody who would say, I don't exactly know how to pray. Like, what does it even look like to pray? And the reason I don't engage in prayer is because I don't know exactly how I should pray or what that should look like. And so we think that prayer should look a certain way or we have to say certain words or you have to address God in a certain way. And so therefore, maybe because of it, we don't pray. Or maybe for you, you're a newer Christian and you know, you're checking out this whole God thing and, you know, you see other people praying and you're kind of like, what are they doing? Like, like what, why would you pray or what does it look like? It kind of reminds me of this video. Take a look. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you need you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what I'm to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, But seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to this, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly. Amen. So today I want to talk about bold prayers, how we can have bold prayers I believe that boldness is a behavior that's born out of belief, actually. In fact, the key thought behind today's message is just this, is that I believe that what you pray for, it reflects what you believe about God. Whatever it is that you personally pray for in your own life, I think it actually reflects what it is that you, what it is that I believe about God. Let me just try, drive this home for a moment. For example, if you don't pray at all, then I would say that you probably don't believe maybe that there either is a God or you probably don't believe that God really would answer prayers, right? Because what you pray for or what you don't pray for reflects what you believe about God. If you pray small prayers all the time, then I would say that you might not believe that God is a God who could really answer big prayers. If all of our prayers are about me, bless me, help me, comfort me, be with me, then maybe our belief about God is that God is there to serve me, right? 
And see, the scary part with that, and I think if all of us are honest for a moment, a lot of our prayers are, are me-centered, right? Like, like, God, help me do this, or God, help me get that, or help this person that I know get healed, or this thing, or that thing. A lot of our prayers are about ourselves. And the scary part with that is that when God doesn't show up the way that you want him to show up, we get offended. And we think that maybe God isn't all that real because he didn't work in the way that we want him to work. Because your prayers reflect what you believe about God. In fact, I would say this, not only your prayers, but probably your language says a lot as well about what exactly you believe about God. For example, I've seen this a lot where maybe somebody's in a very difficult spot in their life. And I'm not talking about that they've been praying for a season, but they're, again, trying to figure it all out, trying to work it all out. And they say things like this. They they say things like, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. Like, that's all I have left. I guess I just have to pray, to pray. In other words, like, prayer is kind of like this last resort. It says a lot about what you believe. Like, I can see God in heaven going, oh, yeah, that all you have left is me. Like, you're screwed, right? Like, that's all you got, right? But sometimes that's what we do in our lives. We think we can fix it, but then once we figure out we can't fix it, we say, well, I guess now I'm going to resort to going to God. And here's what I want you to do for just a moment. I want you to think about for just a second. What are the things that you prayed for this past week? I want you to think about for a moment, what are the the big things that you prayed for this past week? In fact, when you came in, you were given like a little handout and on there, it actually gives you a spot where you can write in maybe one, two, three, four things. I'd encourage you to pull that out if you'd be willing to and just begin to think about for a moment, what are the main things that you prayed for this past week? What are the key things? You could write those things down if you'd be willing to. And maybe for some of you, you would say, I don't think I really did pray this past week. Okay, and that's not a judgment on you. I'm just, I want you to think about what it is that you prayed for this past week. Others of you, you might know exactly what you prayed for. You could write them out. You could list them out. And so jot down maybe two, three, four things that you prayed for. Now, once you do that, I want you to answer this question. If God answered yes to all those things, if God came down and and he had a stamp and he could say, yep, I'm approving that. Yep, I'm approving that. Yep, I'm going to show up in that way. If God said yes to everything that you prayed for this past week, what would be different in our world today? If, if God came down and said, okay, all these things that you're asking for this past week, I'm willing to say yes to every single one of them. I want you to think about that for a moment. What would be different in our world today? Chances are this. If you pray like probably most people do in this world, unfortunately, like how probably I pray a lot of times, the only things that would be different would be the things that are close to you. For example, maybe if you're single, you would all of a sudden have a man or a woman, right? Because that's what you prayed for. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if God came down and said yes to all the things that you're praying for, maybe if you're a single person, you would find that person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. If you're having difficulty in your marriage, maybe your husband would stop being such a jerk, right? Or maybe your wife would begin to meet the needs that you want her to meet or whatever it might be for you. If God came down and stamped yes on everything, then you would have gotten the raise. You would have maybe gotten a new job that you wanted. Maybe a family member that you know would have been healed. And let me just clarify, those aren't bad things. But chances are, they all had to do with you. They all had to do with me. See, I think we have to stop and we have to ask this question. Am I, am I praying bold prayers? Am I praying big prayers? Do, do I ever ask God to move in, in this huge, amazing way? I, I think if we did, you know what I think? 
I think if God stamped yes to all of our prayers, if we began to, to ask God for incredible big things, you know what I believe? I believe that this weekend churches all over the place, all over Berry County, all over the state, all over the United States, all over the world will be packed with people who don't know God because we've been praying for lost people to come to know God. I think that orphans would be adopted by the thousands. I think human trafficking would begin to be ended if we prayed really bold prayers. So the question is, when's the last time that we did that? So if God stamped yes, if he said yes, what would be different in our world today? I think for us to make a difference, I think James is saying that you have to have bold prayers. Today, what I want to do is I want to look at a story in the Bible. I want to look at a story of two men who I think they did this very thing. They understood what prayer really meant, how they could come to God and be so bold in their prayers and how we can learn from that. These two guys, their names were Peter and John. And they wanted to be bold. Now, if you don't know the story, a little history of these two, Peter began to preach what the Bible tells us, the word of God boldly. And in fact, he he preached about repenting, about how they should come to know Christ. And actually, the scriptures tell us that over 3,000 people were saved. Can you imagine giving a message and 3,000 people choosing to give their life to Christ? And then they've come to a man who was crippled from birth, had been crippled since he was a young child for over 40 years, and this young guy, this guy who's who, you know, been crippled for his entire life, he says, I want some silver and I want some gold. He's begging them for money. And Peter and John, they say, silver and gold we do not have. But what we do have in the name of Jesus, take your mat, stand up, and walk. And so this man, he begins to stand up. He's healed. Boldly, they believe that God can heal this person. Well, of course, during this time, the religious people, they didn't like this very much. And the question we would ask is, why wouldn't people enjoy the fact that a person for 40 years has been crippled and all of a sudden he is healed? Why wouldn't they enjoy this? But it's because that Peter and John were preaching that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. And these guys, the religious people, they didn't believe it. Remember, they're the ones who arrested Jesus. And they were preaching what we're going to celebrate this next weekend, that not only was he crucified, but he was ri- he has risen from the dead. And so they arrest Peter and John, they put them on trial, and they ask them, by what name are you doing this? In other words, they're, they're standing there in front of this guy who's been crippled. They've known him th- his entire life. They're seeing the evidence that he has been healed, and they're saying, by which name are you doing this? And they boldly say that it is Jesus, the one that actually you crucified, but that God raised from the dead. That is why we're doing this. So because they're looking at this guy who's been healed, they couldn't really do anything about it, but yet they let these guys go. But they basically say, I don't want you to ever talk about Jesus again. Now imagine you've been arrested. Imagine that people have even beaten you and have told you never to talk about Jesus again. And this is where the story picks up. And this is their response. It says this, on their release, Peter and John, they went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, it says, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They raised their voices together, it says, in prayer to God. There's something powerful when you come together in prayer. Now, some of you, um, during the season of Lent, you've been joining us as we've been having um, kind of prayer meetings together at all the different campuses, different times. And I got to tell you that these times have been very powerful. Now, I, I understand that for some of you, you're, you're wired a lot like me, like 
I'm not the type of guy who likes to line up, you know, for a seven-hour prayer meeting. You know, I, I don't like the whole, hold, let's hold hands and let's sling some snot around. It just, for me personally, it makes me a little uncomfortable. And, and, you know, you go to these things and sometimes, I understand some of you are like me, you get in them and you get, it gets a little awkward. Now, we don't hold hands when we've been doing them, but sometimes I've been to these before where it's like you gather and everybody wants to hold hands and it gets awkward because, you know, you're trying to figure out, am I like, am I outside or am I inside, right? And then, and then one person, like, they want to go under and so you're over this person wants to go over and you're under and you feel awkward and then you know i'm a cupped guy like we cup hands when we hold hands with another dude but then you got some weird people who want to intertwine fingers right makes me feel a little awkward like dude i don't want to intertwine my fingers with you and then you got one guy over here who he's the dead fish guy right like his hand like when you're holding it you're like dude is anything there like i mean it's just like so loose you're like trying to hold on but he's falling apart and then you got like the, the the gripper right? You ever been around one of those guys before and they squeeze your hand so dang hard. It's like, are you mad at me? Like, what is going on? Like you're like, and then if you got a ring on it, like pinches into the the bone of your other finger and it hurts like crazy. And then these people, when they begin to pray, like if they're really spiritual and they start praying louder, it's like, they feel like the need to squeeze even harder as they pray. Right. And so for some of you, you're like me. I don't necessarily like gravitate towards those kinds of things. Now, the only, if you ever go to one of these things, the only rule that you need to know, this is the key, is when you're at one of these things and you're holding hands, when you get done, you just give both people just a little squeeze. That's the rule. And then you let go. Like, like don't keep holding hands, whatever you do, but you just squeeze and then let go. That's the key. That's the only thing that you really need to know. And some of you, though, are, you're like me. You don't, you wouldn't say, like, I love going to those types of things. But yet, here's what I believe. It's powerful. Even though it might not come natural to you, Something amazing happens when you begin to gather together with other believers and you begin to pray. You might be lacking faith, but you hear somebody else praying and it begins to give you hope. So I've been um, on staff for about 12 years now here. And when I first started, I was the youth pastor. And I remember this specifically, but we were at a, 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 a staff retreat. And we were all gathered together and we were praying for different things as a staff. And I remember at one point, um, Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor said, you know, we're going to um, pray for all of our marriages represented in this room. Which was awesome, but I wasn't married. And so I was like, well, that's great. But like, I kind of, and people, those of you who are single, you understand this. Like a little part of me felt like kind of undervalued, right? Like, well, I don't have a spouse, so what the heck do you want me to pray for, Jeff? Like, what about all the single people in the room, right? I mean, even though I'm the only one, but I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't feel like I, I fit in right now. And I remember as we began to pray for, I think I was the only person who wasn't married in the room, and we're praying over all these different, you know, things and marriages. And, and again, it's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with it. But I remember feeling like a little inadequate because I wasn't married at the time. And then I remember Carla Smith, who was on the staff at the time, that she began to pray, and she began to pray specifically for me. And she began to pray for my future spouse. And um, no, the prayer didn't go something like, Lord, help that woman, <laughs> whoever she is, help her, because it's going to be a rough road. No, but she began to pray that I would find the person that I'm supposed to marry, that she began to pray, and I don't remember her specific words, but I just remember it encouraged me. And sometimes when you gather together with other people and you begin to pray, it does something. You, you see that when you read scripture, that there's power when you come together and you pray together. And that's what, exactly what these guys were doing. As they gathered together, they began to pray with each other. And this is what it says in, in the book of Acts. It says, this is how they began their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said. 
You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, now you might ask, like, why, why would they say sovereign Lord? What does that even mean? Really, sovereign Lord means God, like you are the man. In other words, God, you are in charge. You get the final word. Everything that we do, it's all about you. In other words, they start their prayer with just acknowledging who it is that they're talking to. Now, why would you do that? Why do we have to start, or why do they start with this idea of giving praise to God? Do you think that God is in heaven needing to be reminded that he is actually the one in control? Do you think that he was up in heaven going, oh, that's right, I am sovereign. Like, I, yeah, you're right, you are talking to me, God. No, he doesn't need to be reminded. But you do. I do. Those of you who have been engaging in Lent, you know, we have these bracelets or maybe a keychain that you grab that has the different beads on them, and the different beads represent certain things that you can pray for as you go through a season. And the first one, it represents this idea of giving praise. That, that the first thing that we should be doing as we go to God is not telling him all the different needs that you have, but that you should start it with praise. Not because Jesus needs to feel better about himself. Not because God's up in heaven forgetting that he is actually the one in control. The reason why we give praise first, the reason why Peter and John began by just saying, Sovereign Lord, you are the one who created everything, is to remind us of who God is. That he is great. It reminds me when I'm praying and I begin to give praise to God, that I am praying to the God of the universe, the one who can bring healing and can bring restoration. A God who can fix a broken relationship. See, when you start out by giving praise to God, it reminds you, it reminds me of who it is exactly that I'm talking to. And sometimes when you start there, it isn't because God needs to be reminded, but because I need to be reminded. You need to be reminded that God is so much bigger than all your issues that represent you today. Some of you, the only thing you need to hear today is this, is that you've walked into this place, you're online listening, and you feel like the issues in your life are way too big. And they are for you, but not for God. They are for you, but not for God. And sometimes when you start out your prayer by just acknowledging who it is that you're speaking with, who it is that you're praying to. It is a reminder to us that God is bigger than anything that you're facing these days. That you don't have to think that you are bothering God, but yet you can be bold with him. So how do you pray bold prayers? Two thoughts on this. So the first one is this, and we learn it from these two, is that I think the first thing that we should be doing is that you can begin to pray for actually having boldness. This is what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They begin their prayer after giving praise to God by saying, Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants, get this, to speak your word with great boldness. Now again, remember that these two had just been put into jail. They wanted to arrest them. They wanted to put them in jail, but they released them. They said, if you ever do this again, you will be arrested. You will be beaten because of this. And what do they do first is that they begin that, to pray that God would actually make them bolder. Now, if I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, isn't boldness what got you arrested? Like you were out preaching Jesus and how Jesus was raised from the dead and people got saved and you healed a cripple, right? Isn't that the thing that actually got you arrested? Like, aren't you already bold and yet you want to be more bold? In fact, if I was consulting these people, I might say something like this. Maybe you should lay low for a bit. 
Like, I, dude, you're, you, got, you guys are amazing. Like, the fact that you were out healing people, like, you just got beaten, right, because of your faithfulness to God. Like, why don't you just take a break? In fact, summer's coming, and you have a big family vacation, and I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss your family vacation. So, so maybe you shouldn't be so bold right now in this moment, right? Let me just ask you something. I want you to think about this. Have you ever prayed for boldness? Have you ever prayed that God would make you bold in your life for him? And maybe the reason why, if you're like a lot of people, probably you haven't is because it's a little scary, right? Because for a lot of us, I think if we're real honest, if I can be honest for a moment, I kind of like my comfortable life. I like my home. I like my car. I like my job. I like my comfortable life. I like standing up here. I like doing this thing. I like doing that thing. And so for a lot of us, we go through life and we are so comfortable. And see, the bottom line is this, is that boldness is not me-centered. It's other-centered, right? Boldness doesn't help me. It doesn't help you. It's for the benefit of somebody else to help them know and appreciate and love God. And can I be honest, maybe for you too, a lot of my prayers, they become, bold, they become me-centered, right? A lot of your prayers maybe look something like this, like, God, help me get the A. God, help my presentation as I'm about ready to enter into it. God, help me get a raise. God, help me get a job. God, help my grandma get healed or help me get a new car. In Jesus' name, make that pimple go away before my date on Friday, right? Our prayers are me-centered. But when you begin to pray for boldness, here's what takes place. God does something incredible in you. I got to tell you that ever since I've been putting this message together, I've been praying that God would make me bold. And so one of the things I've been praying for in my own life is that I would be more bold in being willing to invite people to church. So you think because I stand up here on a weekend that it's really easy for me to reach out and to ask people to come to church, but I struggle just as much as you do in the fact that I don't want to, you know, overstep my, my grounds. I don't want to, you know, put my, my religion on somebody else and make them think something negatively about me. I have the same kind of self-image issues that every one of you in this room do. But yet there's this one guy that I know I... I see him on a regular basis these days and I've been praying that God would make me bold that I would invite him. And actually last year I, I did invite him. I gave him a card to come to Easter and he never showed up. And, and so I was kind of like, well, you know, he's not going to come. He's not going to be a part of it. And I've just been praying, God, would you make me bold that you would just give me an opportunity to invite him to come to church because more than anything else, he needs God. And it's not my job to change him, but he needs the opportunity to know what it's like to have a relationship with God. And so this past week, I was with him, and we're standing there, and, and we kind of, uh, we actually coached together, and we're talking, and, and I was talking to him, and I'm like, hey, I said, you know, and kind of awkwardly began to talk to him about church. And I handed him one of those invite cards, and I just said, you should come. You should come and just check it out. And I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was nerve-wracking for me. It wasn't easy for me. But that's what boldness does. Boldness isn't about you. It's about other people. It's about us stepping out. And when you begin to pray for boldness, you watch as God moves in you, as he stirs in you. And some of you, come on now, you need to hear this. Because in your life, you are way too comfortable. In your life, you would say, is really nice these days. Life is comfortable. And as you go through life, you're thinking to yourself, I don't, I don't, I don't want anything different. You might not even say that out loud, but in the back of your mind, a lot of us are at that place where we just think, my life is good, my life is comfortable, I don't want to shake any of that up. I was talking to one of my good friends the other day, and he was telling me about a, um, a 
a situation in their family where they're making a choice as a family to do something that is going to drastically impact their entire family. And so um, I can't go into all the details, but they're looking to do something that's going to change their complete family dynamics in this situation. And he was telling me how th- this was so hard because he's thinking to himself, like, I love my life. I love everything that it looks like. And if we do this, it's going to mess up my life, but it's going to impact this person in, in an incredible way. And so they're meeting with their kids who are in middle school and high school, and they sat them down and they were telling them about this choice that they have to make and kind of wanting to get input from their kids. And their oldest child who's in high school, as they were telling them about this, this choice that they have to make, which is going to impact that kid's life as well, this is the words that came out of his mouth. He said, Dad, can't we just live our comfortable American life? And his dad paused and he said, Son, I want you to repeat those words that you just said to me out loud again. And he said, Dad, can't we just live our comfortable American life? And he said his head went down. And he realized how selfish he was being. And this is a good kid. He's not a bad kid. He's a great kid. I know him. I mean, he's, he's just an incredible young man. But here's what I would say. A lot of you would have said the same thing. I would have probably said the same thing. I like my comfortable life. And sometimes in the midst of being bold, sometimes in the midst of us having to make a choice to step outside of our comfortable life, we don't want to shake things up. And hear me now, some of you, your lives are way too comfortable. You are, and you aren't thinking about anybody else because of that. In fact, over the past few weeks, we've been encouraging you to do this very thing, to invite somebody to come to church on Easter weekend. And I know some of you, the thoughts that you have is, I'm not doing that. Because you think that you're going to be putting your faith on somebody else, and therefore, you would maybe even defend that statement and say, those people who do that are simply annoying. And I would actually agree with you if it's done the wrong way. I'm not saying be a street preacher. But I am saying, young people, you know somebody at your school who is so lost and so broken. And the only thing that can really heal that is Jesus. Some of you know somebody at your work currently who is struggling in their marriage and they've confided in you and said, I'm struggling in my marriage. I don't know if we're going to make it. And they need more than marriage counseling. They need more than anything else. Jesus in their life. Some of you know a mom that you get together with on a regular basis who's facing anxiety and struggling with different things in their life and self-image or whatever it might be. And more than anything else, more than just a listening ear, they need Jesus at the end of the day. And I would just challenge you again, if you haven't invited them, pray for boldness, that God would make you bold to invite. And who knows what God could do. The second thing I would encourage you with is not only to pray for boldness, but to begin to pray for something big. He says this, he says, stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I mean, these are big prayers that these guys begin to pray. That God, I pray that you would begin to heal people. I think at times, we don't pray big enough prayers. Because what we pray for, again, reflects, I believe, what you really believe about God. Now, I want to clarify. I'm not saying what I'm describing as small prayers are wrong. But come on, for for a lot of us, if you think about this, we pray the same thing over and over and over again, don't we? Like, God, thank you for this day. Some of you don't even know that you start your prayer with that every single time. I think God's saying, hey, you've said that 43 million times. Thank you very much for this day. I'm, I appreciate that, but could you move on to something else? God, would you just be with us? And God's saying, I think I told you that I would never leave you or forsake you. Or one of my favorites, and I remember hearing this as a child, thinking, I want to, that sounds really cool. I want to pray that is give us, you know, safe traveling mercies, right? 
like get us there safe. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think God would be saying, hey, like buckle up, drive the speed limit. And chances are you'll probably make it safe, right? But sometimes those are, that's the extent of our prayers, right? Like, God, thank you for this day. God, be with us or give me safe traveling mercies. And again, I'm not saying any of those things are, are bad. But let me just ask you, when is the last time that you prayed a big prayer? That, that God would maybe be up in heaven saying, could you pray, could you ask me to do something so big? Give me something so big to do that when I show up, people will know that there's no other way around it other than knowing that I actually am the one who did that. That we could pray bold prayers because what you pray for reflects exactly what you believe about God. And you say this, well, what if it doesn't happen? So, so Joel, what if I pray for this incredible thing to take place and nothing happens? What if I pray for my friend at school who's an atheist to come to church and they don't come? What if I pray for that person who is sick to be healed and they don't get healed? What, what if I pray for human trafficking and it doesn't stop? And see, for a lot of us, we, we think... We don't want to be disappointed, right? And for even us, I know I've wrestled through this, like, I don't want to make God look bad. And so we begin to give God escape clauses, like, if it be thy will, you can do it then. And I'm just going to tell you where I'm at on this. Because I've wrestled through this for a while. See, I don't personally have, have fear anytime, anywhere, to ask God for really anything, because I have seen him work in incredible ways. Now, does that mean that every time I pray, God does does it exactly how I want him to do it? Absolutely not. In the same way, I would say every time your kids ask you for something, do you give them exactly what they want? Of course not. But I have seen him work. You know, Joshua, a guy in the, the Old Testament, he prayed for the sun to actually stand still, to stop moving. And here's what I know about my, my life, and here's what you know about your life. Sometimes you pray. Sometimes you ask God to do something great. You ask for the sun to stand still, for something amazing to happen in your life. And sometimes the sun sets. And for me, my faith is big enough that I can ask him for something. I can, I can ask him to, to show up in somebody's life and my faith can handle him actually saying no because he is sovereign. He is in charge and I can trust that. So listen, you say, well, what if God doesn't heal? And I would just say this, well, what if he does? You would say, well, what if my friend doesn't come to church? I would say, well, what if they do? You would say, what if a marriage isn't healed? And I would say, well, what if it is, right? Like, in other words, what do you have to really lose in life? We all the time look at things and say, well, what if God doesn't show up? And again, I'm just saying to you, what if he does show up? And yes, there are times that I pray and God doesn't show up like I've wanted him to. And honestly, sometimes it's hard. Many of you know I lost my dad to cancer. I prayed so much that God would heal him, that, that God would, would restore his life. And guess what? It didn't happen the way that I wanted it to work. But it doesn't mean that I stop praying because God is sovereign and he is in control. I've prayed for healing and people have passed away. But again, that's not going to stop me from praying for healing. Because again, I ask the question, what if he does heal? What if he could do something miraculous in your life? So I'm going to keep praying for lost people who I think that there is no way that they'll ever come to church. Because God could still work in their life. God could still do something great inside of them and change them. Again, some people might say, well, what if God doesn't? I just say, what if God does? Recently, I heard a story of a couple, they, they don't live around here, but I, I saw this video of them. Their names are Kevin and Amanda. And, and Kevin, at the age of 29, he had a ruptured brain aneurysm. And usually you would die from this, but he, he actually lived and he had to have brain surgery because of this very thing. And it took him a full year 
for him to be able to learn to talk, to walk, and to eat again. And for this guy, he went on to live a really normal life, and he had a great life. He has kids and had a good life. But seven years after that moment, he actually had a second brain aneurysm. Imagine what that would do to you. Imagine the shake that that would have. But the good news is that these two people, they never lost hope. In fact, they began to pray boldly, and I wanted you to hear their stories. So take a look at this. It rocked my world. I didn't think I'd be able to walk my daughter down the aisle or see her turn one or it rocked my world. I would say our prayers became very bold in the sense that we weren't just praying for Kevin to survive and that God would get him through this. And um, we specifically prayed for healing. And I meet with a girls Bible study group and I explained how, you know, Kevin had read the Sunstand Steel book and that we were really believing in a miracle. And so I asked them, you know, pray with us for a miracle. Pray with us for complete healing that when we go, they won't find it, that it'll be gone. The uh, anesthesiologist goes, you're going to feel something tingly here. And I'm like, it's all right. I'm a surgeries every day. You're putting me out. You know, I understand. And I said, real quick, doctor, and this is crazy, but I did it. And I said, I don't know what you believe about God. And really right now, I don't care. You know, I'm not here to give you a sermon or anything, but I want you to know that I believe when you go in that my God has healed me and you will find nothing. And I was out. Two doctors come through the door and look at me and they say, yeah, is this your family? And I said, no, this isn't my family. They said, oh, we can go somewhere private to talk. And I said, no, it's okay. It's all right. And so they came in and for all of these other people to hear, they looked at me and said, it's gone. And they said, in 24 years, we've never seen anything like this. It's completely gone. And I'm just in shock, but at the same time, just wanting to jump through the roof because I'm like, he did it. My God did it. He did it. He showed up and he showed off for all the world to see. And I, I was still kind of in shock and I put my hand on his shoulder and he said, if you believe in God, then I would call this a miracle. Just is anyone among you in trouble? He says, let him pray. He says, are you sick? He says, call the elders of the church. He says, anoint them with oil and pray over them because the prayer of a righteous person, he says, is powerful and effective. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually live this very thing out. We're going to just have a time of worship. And during this time of worship, um, we're going to have people in front who are willing to pray if you need prayer. Now, I understand maybe for some of you, you say, I don't have necessarily anything I need prayer for and you can just engage in worship or you can just kind of sit there and observe. Maybe for some of you, you know that there's something going on in your life that, that you need to pray for. You need prayer over this thing. And maybe for some of you, you're the type of person who would say, I would never come up for prayer. I would never do it. And maybe right now, you just need to pray that God would give you the boldness to stand up and to come forward in a moment and receive the prayer. Because he says the power, there's power in prayer of a righteous person. It's effective. It says when you call on them, when you pray, that healing can take place. You say, well, Joel, what if he doesn't heal me? And again, I would just say, what if he does? And so maybe you need prayer today. I would invite you in a, a moment. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing together. And I would invite you to come forward and just ask somebody to pray over you. 
and watch as God begins to work. Maybe for some of you, it's not even about you, but you have something that you're like, man, God, I just want God to begin to work in this person's life, this, this friend that I know, that I'm, I'm inviting them and that they would come and that God would, would, would you know, hear the news and that they would get saved. Maybe you have some big event in life, like again, like you have a passion about and you're just saying, I want someone to pray with me, believing that God could do this very thing. Whatever it might be for you, I want to challenge you, if you need prayer, to come forward in a moment. Again, I understand that for some of you this might seem awkward. And again, I would just say, what if God shows up? What if God heals? What if God changes a marriage? What if God does something incredible inside of your schools these days? Because you are willing to be bold and to come forward and receive prayer. Now, I understand maybe for some of you, this whole God thing is new. And you're going, man, I don't know if I've been buying this whole God thing. I would just encourage you during this time to sit and observe. And maybe the prayer that you need to pray is this, is God, if you're real, Reveal yourself to me. God, I don't even know if you're real and talking about prayer and healing and I don't know if I buy into all this, but God, if you're real right now, I'm asking that you would just reveal yourself to me and I believe that God will show up and God can show off. And so I'm gonna pray and then after I get done, if you would like prayer over anything, whether it's with you or whether it's with somebody else that you know or whether it's just a big event in life, I would encourage you to come forward and receive the prayer. Because again, what if God does show up? And what if he does do an amazing, amazing thing because we are bold in our prayers? So Father God, we just come before you now, God. And God, I believe that you are a God who heals. Father, I believe that you are a God who brings restoration. God, I believe that you are not a God who, who is there and not willing to hear from the people who love you, God. And so now as we enter into this time of prayer, God, we are trusting and we are believing, God, that healing would take place. Restoration would take place, God. Relationships that maybe have been broken for years, God, that there would become healing in those situations, God, that people this week would be bold and inviting, God, that they would ask somebody to come that they've been thinking about and praying for. And God, we understand that sometimes we feel like it's our job to change everything, God, but really ultimately, we are just giving it to you and asking that you work in a mighty way. So God, we ask all these things in your precious son's name, Jesus. Amen.